You know what it is. That's right. It's time to talk money with your money nerd and financial coach. Now, tighten those purse strings and open those ears. It's the Money Talk with Tiff podcast. Hey, everyone. I am so excited because I have debt-free Joelle on the line. Now, we follow each other on Twitter and we interact quite a bit, but he's a CFA and I wanted to bring him on the podcast to kind of explain what a CFA is and what they do. So thank you so much, Joelle, for coming on the show today. Thank you. Good morning. I appreciate you guys having me. Thank you. Thank you. So let's just hop right in. Um, I want to first just set a baseline for our audience. What is a CFA? What does it even stand for? <laughs> sure. So a CFA is a Chartered Financial Analyst designation. Uh, it's given to you by the CFA Institute, which is basically a, an institute that, that basically has for charter holders, right? So any, anything in terms of finance, um, they allow designations for it. And the CFA designation is the highest designation in that, in that realm. Um, the easiest way to think about a CFA is, is the closest thing you can get to a PhD without actually having a one, right? So what I usually call it is the practical PhD. It's um, something that could be used in the industry. So for the folks that are listening, think about it this way. If you have a 401k and someone's managing your money, chances are they have my designation, right? Because you want someone behind the scenes that are actually knowing what they're doing. Um, but that's what it is. The designation <clears throat> stands for Chartered Financial Analyst Designation. I love that. I love that um, because I, before I, became, you know, came into the field, I didn't even know what a CFA was or I hadn't even heard of it um, until one of my friends is actually one. And I was like, oh, you know, that's another ABC soup <laughs> right. that I want to know more about. So it's interesting that, so when you have your CFA, these are the people that are managing the big, big bucks. Correct. These are the folks that are actually managing assets on behalf of pension plans. They manage money on behalf of the institutions. They manage money on behalf of like your 401ks. You're talking billions of dollars, um, you know, for, for what they're doing. And, you know, these are these are basically the portfolio managers. At least this is what you would want your portfolio manager to have, because there's an extensive amount of learning that kind of goes into this. It's three levels. Most people don't do it in three years. It usually takes four or five, six years. Some people never finish. Um, you're talking thousands of hours of studying, you know, per level. Um, it's, it's a really extensive test. I mean, even like you mentioned before, it'd be, it'd be humorous when you ask your friend about the CFA, what their reaction is. I've seen the smartest people in the world, um, people who never failed, right? People who always got straight A's when they get to that test, everybody looks at each other and goes, yo, that, that, that sucked. That, that was rough, <laughs> you know, so it, it's, it's, it's a rough, it's a rough exam, but it's, you know, it's definitely worth it if, if folks are interested. Gotcha. Gotcha. So what type of like information or actually let's start here. If someone's like, Hmm, CFA sounds interesting. What type of skills or what type of things do you all look at or go over in your day-to-day -day work? Sure. So your CFA designation basically allows you to do anything in finance. Um, but it really what it does is it prepares you to be a portfolio manager, right? Where I can sit down with Tiffany and go over her needs and wants and create a financial plan for her so that she can have her assets the way she'd want to have them in 30, you know, 30, 40 years, right? Um, but basically anything in finance, a CFA designation can work for it. Kind of like how a CPA is, right? A CPA, when it comes to accounting, you can basically have that transferable anywhere in the United States, 
Um, but when you think about a CFA, you think about some of the things that we had to study, financial accounting, for example, equity, um, equities, fixed income, derivatives, um, corporate finance, um, you, you name it, the gambit. They started adding new levels now for more of the alternative investments in terms of cryptocurrency, stuff like that. So what, what we basically are trained on is how to evaluate any type of security that can possibly be made on earth, come up with a value on it, and then try to tie that into not only the financial reporting of those assets, but also the needs and wants of the person in front of you that you're trying to help. Um, so if you think about it this way, right, you can lie about any designation. You can lie about like any profession, right? Um, but it's kind of hard to lie to be a lawyer. You have to show the law degree. It's kind of hard to lie to be an accountant. You got to kind of show that CPA uh, designation. Um, But when it comes to money, you can lie all day long, right? Because we judge people on money based on what we see, right? Not what we, what they actually do. So the CFA designation is one of those things where it's like, no, 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 no. If you're going to be managing money in this space, you know, where you're talking thousands of, of clients, you're talking billions of dollars, trillions of dollars in assets. You want someone who's run through that gambit. Gotcha. And see, when you, I'm so glad you mentioned that because, you know, we've gone on a many a rants on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, there's a lot of people parading as financial advisors and, you know, people are getting confused about that. So to kind of clear up any confusion as it relates to CFAs, how do we contrast? Because people are like, well, that's what my financial advisor does. You know, they sit down with me, they go over what my goals are, they make a portfolio, so on and so forth. So mm-hmm. how does that kind of contrast? Yeah, I mean, there's there's different types of financial advisors, right? So you have, um, basically anybody can be called a financial advisor. Um, you do have specific designations that are dedicated to financial advisors themselves. Um, the difference between a CFA, although, right, is a CFA is a charter financial analyst, where the difference is that not only can we advise someone on how to build their portfolio, we can actually know how to um, organize and value some of the securities that they're investing in. So if you look at a financial advisor, for example, they can go through the needs and wants of you and go over your budget but when it comes to the investing part of it, they're not exactly the most trained in that aspect, just from a, an educational standpoint. Um, what a CFA is going to be a little bit different, right? CFA is probably not going to be more along the lines of budgeting and, and getting your money together. But your CFA is going to be the one that's going to manage your money in terms of what what are we going to actually invest in? Um, what is what is the, the quantitative analytics that go into your portfolio? You know, to make sure that you're actually hitting your needs and wants from a a risk averse perspective. Most people are risk averse. Um, So that's where the difference kind of comes in. But I think it's it's important for your audience to know anybody can say they're a financial advisor. Any single person is it is very easy for someone to say, yeah, you know, I help people with their budget. I'm a financial advisor. There's designations that go into being a financial advisor. Um, So even if you didn't want to be a CFA, but if you want someone to help you with your money, you want someone to have one of those types of designations because they're classically trained on how to really talk to you about what your needs and wants are. Not even just from an investing standpoint, but from budgeting and asset allocation and, and debt management and those type of things. Very cool. Very cool. And I'm over here learning quite a bit myself. So thank you so much for explaining this. No so. Worries. 
Now, let me ask another question for a contrast, because I know on the podcast before I've talked about AFC versus CFP, but what is CFA versus CFP? Um, What does that look like? Yeah. So a CFP is is a chartered financial planner, right? So that's someone who's actually like like we just talked about before. That's someone who's going to sit there, um, go through your needs and wants. They're going to go through your budgeting. They're going to go through your credit management. They're going to go through ways to try to figure out your holistic financial view. And then from there, kind of put you on a plan to get your money right. When it comes to the investing part of it, they're not choosing the investments, right? What they're doing is kind of putting you into buckets of plans that have already been, you know, um, assigned to them or assigned to the financial provider at that time. Um, The best way to think about it is the CFP is who's going to talk to the person through the door, right? Which is more of a budgeting standpoint. But when the CFP goes and tells you what investments to invest in, that's when they come to me, right? Because the, the, the CFA is the one who's actually managing assets on the back end. So when you sign up for a plan under the CFP, right, when they tell you this is an investing plan that you want to be part of, but based on your needs and your wants and your allocation of your assets over the next 30 years, they're not the ones that are investing your money, though, right? They just sign you up for a plan where your money is going to be managed based on a certain risk tolerance. That person who's managing that plan is normally going to be a CFA because now they have certain risk tolerances that they have to abide by. Those are the, those, that's the portfolio manager at that point. So that's probably the easiest way to think about it, right? Is that a CFP is going to be someone who's going to help you with the needs and wants, the budgeting, the credit resolution, getting a holistic view of what you're supposed to do. Um, you know, looking at your budgets, looking at your income, looking at your assets. And then when you get to a point where you feel comfortable taking some of those assets and putting it to work and investing, the CFA is the person when they hand it off to the you know, from the investing standpoint, when you sign up for a plan, it's the CFA that's managing it behind the scenes. Interesting. Interesting. So behind, so, okay, this is what I'm gathering, right? Behind every like mutual fund, index fund, things like that, it's probably a CFA. That's it. Yeah. It's probably that. That's what you want. (laughs) (laughs) want. That's what you want. Or you want someone who's really, really smart that, um, could have took the test and passed it, but didn't want to waste their time. But that's what you want, right? What you want is is someone with some level of designation in that portfolio management field to be able to manage your money on your behalf. This is different than what you see on social media. We see it all day long, right? Where you have someone who says, yeah, they can manage your money. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, it, it's not that simple. I, I'll give you, I'll give your, your audience a little treat. When it comes to investing, right, you know, one of the things that they tell you, you go through all this hell with the CFA. It's, you know, it took me five years to get it. I failed level two twice. Um, Mm -hmm. You get to the end. You know what they tell you at the end? Everything you just learned is likely still not going to beat the overall market on a long term basis. That's what they tell you at the end. So they train you, right, to be a portfolio manager so that you can beat the market. And then at the end, they tell you everything you just learned, you still have a very good chance that statistically you won't beat the market. No investor who's on social media will tell you that because they don't have that classical training. They don't have the statistics in front of them to show them that. Right. So when people are saying, yeah, you should buy this, buy that. No, no, no. It's not that easy. Like it's, <laughs> There's, there's a lot of things that go into this. Like it's not just buy one stock and you're rich. Like it, it doesn't, it normally doesn't happen that way. There's a holistic aspect of it. So what I do 
is not only the CFA aspect, but I also use, you know, I don't have a CFP, but I'm classically trained on how to help people with their budgeting. So I have the way of, of teaching people about how to invest, but I spend the majority of my time trying to help people get out of budgeting because what you realize is if you're not going to beat the market, then you can always invest your 401k if you're, or you can always, you know, buy an ETF that just tracks the market. That's probably the least of your problems. The, the bigger problem is you, your money's messed up. Right. So let's get that. Let's get those numbers situated. Mm, you just said a word <laughs> and that can go into a whole. Yeah, you can ramble all day about that. That's what I'm saying. Because, like, you know. <laughs> I mean, you know, at the end of the day and unfortunate, it's very unfortunate, but um, our people get really sucked into like the get rich quick. You know, what's the trending stock or whatever it is, you know, the next new thing. And, you know, I tell people all the time, like, be careful because really if it's trending, it's probably too late. (laughs) It's probably too late to get in. And so, you know, Warren Buffett, he, like I, he has a lot of isms that I kind of follow, but one of them is, you know, if everybody's going towards it, you need to go the other way. Yeah. Um, if nobody is on it, then it might be a good place to be. So I mean, another way to think about it too, if it hits the front page of the New York times, if it's on the mm. front page of CNBC, if it's on the front page of wall street journal, stuff like that, you're too late. It's going to crash, mm-hmm. right? If you look at when Bitcoin was was at 60000 or something like that, everybody in their mother, you couldn't walk down the street without somebody talking about cryptocurrency, right? Mm-hmm. And then what happened? It just crashed, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody thought it was going to go to 100000 and went down to fifteen. So th- those are the things, unfortunately, it, it, I, I have a certain level of empathy with it. The only reason is because if I'm in pain, I don't want you to tell me, yo, listen, man, take this one time all once every day for the next 30 years and you'll eventually be okay. No, I'm in pain now, right? Mm-hmm. So I want the money now. I want the pain relief now. The problem is, is that that's not how money works, right? That's not how true investing works. So it takes time. And unfortunately, our community, that's, that's what we do. We kind of just run into things. So like you have voices like me, voices like you who are in the background, like, look, man, we've been doing this for a while. You need to relax. You need to take care of you know, you want to get to the investing. How about you look at your income? How about you look at your assets? How about you look at your debt first? For some reason, people don't realize that's a, it's a, it's a two-part equation, right? Mm-hmm. It's not just income. Like, you know, when everybody wants to get rich, it's like, I just need to make more money. No, you may need to just spend less. <laughs> yeah. And not only that, um, a lot of the stuff is, uh, you know, experiences, trauma, you know, things that they've been through. So if you don't, at least acknowledge that and realize that that's what's driving your actions today, then it doesn't matter how much money you make. You're still going to do the same thing over and over and over. I have uh, worked with people that were millionaires and spent a lot of money. Well, if they keep spending a lot of money, guess what? They're not going to have it anymore. And then I've also, on the flip side of that, worked with people that, you know, in the grand scheme of things, you know, outsiders looking in didn't have much, but they had way more (laughs) than the people that had a lot of money. So, you know, you have to 
like you said, look at the holistic view of your money situation and tap into why you're even acting the way you are. Because I feel like that's for me and I'm very woo woo, (laughs) but I feel like that's the biggest thing um, that people can work on to make changes. Yeah, What I tell people a lot is that money is more about emotion than it is about mathematics. Right. With the CFA, his ironic thing, the CFA doesn't teach you how to manage your money, teach you how to invest your money. But there's no program that actually tells you how to manage your money. This is why across the country, you're starting to see more jurisdictions start to say, we're going to teach personal finance courses, which I find humorous because we all have our different interpretations of finance. Right. Someone looks at me and says, well, what do you mean being debt free? You can use good debt. Right. Well, that's your interpretation. Right. So what does that mean? But if if you think about it, the CFA designation by itself does not teach you about personal finance. You have to learn that on your personal time. Right. So when you when you talk with people about money, it's it's they look at it and go, well, you got a CFA. You can teach me how to get to that money. No, no, no. (laughs) I can teach you how to get to the money after you learn what the money means to you from a behavioral standpoint. I I argue people's behavior more than I argue with math. The math is what third grade is, third grade math, adding, subtracting, division and multiplication. Mm. That's it. If you think about it, that- I mean, you you probably have it. Like I said, we can go on a rant rant, but like <laughs> you, you experience this on a day to day basis. The math isn't hard, but what's the most hated subject on planet Earth? Finance. Math. Well, yeah, to take it, take it one granular, like a little bit lower math. Mm. Most people hate math. Right. If you think about when we was in school, a lot of people hated math. So then you take money, which is emotional, and you combine them. You, you combine an emotional subject <laughs> with a topic that they hate doing. Like what? And you, you know, it's crazy you say that because when people see what I do, they're like, oh, you must love math or you must be really good at math. I'm like, hmm. not really but i just know like i'm just very good with money but that's because money is a totally different thing you know it's not really just the math it's more than that so you know i i definitely resonate with what you just said and i never thought about it like that money is emotional and math is math. Yeah, everybody hated math and everybody likes, like when you're on social media, when you're on Instagram, when you're on Twitter, you can learn a lot more about someone's sex life than than you can about their income and their net worth, right? Mm -hmm. Imagine if we all started telling each other our net worths. That's vulnerable. It's not, it's not your favorite sex position. I'll tell you that it's, it's let, let someone know how much your net worth is. And then you start seeing a lot of people walking around faking the funk because you can, you can, fake money right you just gotta swipe a credit card for that right and you can manipulate that net worth number like there's been so many arguments on twitter which every time i see it now i just roll my eyes but i (laughs) I would always you know comment because people are like well is uh do you add your house in your net worth do you add you know insert whatever they don't want to add there. And I'm like, you know, net worth is assets minus liabilities, period. So it's supposed to include everything. But, you know, people want to manipulate the numbers to make it more favorable for them. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I would say the one thing in that in that instance is, well, should you include these assets? Do both. Right. That's how you shut the argument down. Do both. Because what you can do is say, all right, well, if I don't include my house, my net worth is negative. If I do include my house, 
My net worth is positive. What does that tell you? That means that your house rich and cash poor. Mm -hmm. Switch it up. Mm -hmm. Right? Well, I can pull equity out the house. Well, when you pull equity out the house, that means you go into debt. Mm -hmm. The equation does not change. <laughs> exactly. the, the math doesn't change, dog. You know, so it's like <laughs> when when you when you have those conversations with people, it's it's more emotional because nobody wants to be bad with money. When I talk about my CFA designation with people, um, what I realized is there was a partner at my job once that told me straight to my face. He said, Joel, you're not getting the degree because it's going to help you in your day to day operations. To be honest with you, it's probably not. You're getting it. So when you sit across from a client that has 60 billion dollars in assets, they learn to respect you before you start speaking. Mm. Mm. Right. Because you've been through the gambit. This, this like it's like a fraternity, like you've been through hell and back and like now you're doing it as a person of color. Yeah. It's a little bit different, but yeah, you're arguing by far, you're arguing with money about emotion more than anything, because everybody wants to be right. Nobody wants to be the broke friend. <laughs> Mind you, we're all the broke friends. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if right. we're honest, if we're all really honest, the majority of people are broke, but not broke in a negative aspect. It's just that you don't have enough to do what you want. So to me, that's broke. So until you're able to do exactly what you want with your money, you're always going to be behind the eight ball. So you need to figure out a way to, around it. But yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree. I, they, they, when you see those arguments on Twitter, just just shut them down. I'm like, I right, just do both. <laughs> I'm going to start using that response. Yeah, just do both. <laughs> and, and, then you, and then you hit them over the forehead. And then you just hit them over the forehead. Like, if you realize that you have a really good net worth when you include your house, but when you don't include your house, your net worth is like close to zero or negative, just means your house rich and cash poor. Which means that if you had an emergency, you'd have to go into borrowing money to handle your business. That's not what you want. Mm. Exactly, exactly. So whew, we talked about a lot and we're about to go on a whole nother yeah, tangent, sorry, sorry. but I want to I want to leave some for the people. So, <laughs> so Joel, where can people find you? I, you? We already know that we can find you on Twitter. I'll make sure I have that link. I highly recommend following him on Twitter because he posts some really good stuff and we have some really good conversations. But where else can people find you if they wanted to get in contact with you? Sure. So the, the main page for me is actually on Instagram. Same same name at Debt Free Joel. Um, I actually started doing Twitter. I don't know about three months ago, two months ago, something like that. But for oh. for Instagram, I've been doing it more for about three, four years now. I actually started during the pandemic, so um, that's where I put the majority of the content that I, that I put out there. Also on YouTube. Um, so I'm actually sitting in the studio now that where I'm gonna start doing those YouTube videos again. So same thing, same name at Debt Free Joel. Um, you know, I usually send out a, a ton of information on investing, on saving. Um, and most importantly, on charity, I think, you know, our community is not as charitable as we need to be, whether it be with our time, whether it be with our money, whether it be with our knowledge. So um, any of those mediums you can find me on. If you ever have a question, anybody can reach out and, you know, we'll go from there. Awesome. Awesome. And if you all didn't catch all of that, I will be sure to have it in the show notes. So make sure you check those out. Thank you so much, Joel, for joining me on the podcast today and just educating the people on CFAs. Maybe somebody out there is like, oh, this is something I want to do. And now we've opened that door. So I appreciate you. No worries. Anytime. All right. Have a good one. Bye. Mm -hmm. 
Thank you for listening, joining, and being a part of the Money Talk with Tiff podcast this week. You can check Tiff out every Thursday for a new Money Talk podcast. But if you just can't wait until next week, you can listen to previous podcast episodes at moneytalkwitht.com or follow Tiff on all social media platforms at Money Talk with T. Until next time, spend wise by spending less than you make. A word to the money wise is always sufficient.